Hello, Texas Values friends. Thank you for tuning in to our radio show, podcast, and our Facebook Live. I'm Mary Elizabeth Castle, the Policy Advisor at Texas Values, and with me here I have Monica Klein. Uh, you'll learn more about her, but her background is that she's a former Title X uh, Planned Parenthood sex educator um, who had a change of heart after you know experiencing some things that she saw there that were going on. And um, now she has her own uh, organization called It Takes a Family. So welcome, Monica. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So we're experiencing fall here for the first time uh, in (laughs) Austin, but that came in yesterday. But besides the rain happening yesterday, I also went to Dallas uh, to view the James Younger uh, trial. Um, I wasn't able to actually sit in the trial, but I was able to talk to supporters and get the news and just be there in the midst of what was going on. And it seems like there was a good result in the end. So as of right now, James will not be transitioned. Um, the judge ruled that that has to be a mutual thing between the parents. And so at the moment, James seems to be saved. And as Monica and I yeah. were discussing earlier, the governor uh, and many other like government officials have been involved in this and have expressed their opinions. So it looks like it's a good result and it can be a good start to some good legislation. Well, we're going to get into our talk a little. So Monica, if you can just tell people like what's your background and kind of the things that you saw, you know, when you used to be a Planned Parenthood, you know, sex educator and how that kind of influenced you to get involved with It Takes a Family. Sure. Well, you know, um, I had graduated from the University of Texas at Austin in 1996, and I started volunteering for an HIV prevention organization. Uh, It was a gay organization, and they had grant money to do HIV prevention. So that's actually my very first job in public health and in prevention. Um, It's risk reduction education. And then about, you know, a month later, they sent me over across the street to Planned Parenthood to be trained by Planned Parenthood on how to reach out to teenagers. So uh, so really the gay community and Planned Parenthood were my mentors. You know, they taught me how to be a public health educator and how to implement risk reduction education, which is now also considered comprehensive sex education in the community. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So just wanted to, you know, insert this. So one of the reasons why we have Monica on and kind of how, you know, Texas Values got involved with her is the issue happening at Austin Independent School District with their sex education materials and kind mm-hmm. of what they're trying to implement in that. And so, Monica, do you want to kind of tell people like what Austin ISD is trying to do and kind of what the implications are of that? Right. Well, you know, so Austin ISD is trying to bring comprehensive sex education into the schools. Um, And they have different forms of it from elementary, middle school, and high school. And, you know, comprehensive sex education is very graphic. Uh, It's become more graphic over the years. Um, It really is, um, I guess, the, the belief behind comprehensive sex education is that we're sexual from birth, Um, that we are naive to assume that people or especially young people will not be sexually active. And so comprehensive sex education with this belief that everyone is sexually active, doing anything and everything at any time, uh, they really believe that it's important to talk to kids 
about all different forms of sexual activity, how to use condoms, lubrication, get tested, get treated, and even as far as uh, getting an abortion if they conceive a child. So uh, really, these young people are exposed to lots of sexual activities in the classroom, all in the name of public health. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whether they're actually active or not, or even planned on being sexually active, comprehensive sex education just lays it all out for them. What's really different, though, about comprehensive sex education today is it also now is um, integrating gender identity, homosexuality. So instead of just talking about sex acts, we're now talking about uh, teaching children, comprehensive sex education is now teaching children that their gender is fluid, that there are no biological absolutes. So it really puts kids in a strange position where you know, it's very confusing for them. Uh, some kids have actually gotten scared, especially in elementary school, thinking that they might become a boy if they're a girl. Um, oh. So it's, it's um, it really, it seems a lot like mental abuse of children because they're teaching them things that actually are not scientific. Yeah, so that that's fascinating because um, we have seen that they are introducing, you know, the concept of gender identity and in Austin ISD, I think it's even as young as third grade that they're teaching kids that, you know, they're born, uh, what they're born as is different than what they feel or they can change into something else. So, yeah. So, Monica, um, you've talked about comprehensive sex education and kind of your experience with that. So kind of what's the alternative to, you know, something like that? You know, what could Austin ISD use instead of that type of education? Well, there is um, a great alternative, and it's risk avoidance education. So most parents and most of the public is already aware of what risk avoidance education is. We see it in smoking cessation, you know, just don't smoke, don't vape, don't do drugs. Um, And public health officials push that message a lot uh, to protect youth and adults from behaviors that are really high risk for them. But we've never implemented a risk avoidance uh, approach to sex. It's always been, okay, we expect you to have sex. You're going to have sex. You know, here are all the ways to reduce the risk. Um, And so there is research that supports that risk avoidance is very helpful for, you know, there, there's one in particular um, sexual risk avoidance approach or curriculum that is approved by the CDC as an evidence-based intervention. It has longitudinal, longitudinal, oh, sorry, <laughs> studies, long-term studies that actually show that kids um, have avoided sex up to 12 months and longer after going through this curriculum. And that's a great thing because the research also supports that when our young people avoid sex at a young age and focus instead on healthy relationships, friendships, academics, they find themselves not only healthier emotionally and physically, but their financial outlook and their career um, as adults, as young adults, is much more uh, successful. So um, there's a lot of research that shows that if we can encourage as parents and as Uh, public health officials to really support this delaying sex, uh, which has a lot of high-risk consequences at a young age, um, that if they can avoid this until marriage or until they're adults and ready for that kind of responsibility, um, we see that it's optimal health. You know, it's, it's for their best interest overall. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. You know, I think sometimes AISD, you know, they kind of shut out 
that, you know, this alternative that they could use, you know, has better implications for the student overall. You know, I think a lot of times they should be more focused on the academics anyway, right? Because Austin ISD is a school district that has a lot of, you know, what they would call at-risk students, you know, students that they do worry about whether or not they'll perform academically and whether or not they'll have fulfilling lives and careers. So that's good news to know that they could use this alternative program that's better for them, you know, health-wise and emotionally, but also, you know, down the road, you know, as far as, you know, academic performance and just kind of the lives they lead. Right. Yeah. Well, and there is, um, you know, for example, the high school that my son went to at Cedar Park High School, they have an organization, uh, Austin Lifeguard, that implements a sexual risk avoidance curriculum. And very similar, you know, it's it's on, a, I believe, a weekly basis. They learn something different. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I knew it was risk avoidance, so I didn't opt out my son. I said, okay, go ahead. You can go to that. Right. And what was amazing is that, and I knew the, the instructor, and, um, you know, he's, he's a man, married man with children, and I guess around in his 30s. And I was really surprised that my son came home and said, I can't wait for the next um, session. I'm like, really? You know, because he's a teenager. <laughs> right. Teenagers don't look forward to another session, yeah, especially right. on something like risk reduction or avoidance. Yeah. But he was excited and he would tell me about his instructor mm-hmm. and that in- his instructor basically became a role model to him because wow. he, you know, just talked about his relationship with his wife and his mm-hmm. children and the way he talked to the kids. You know, they felt respected by him. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times comprehensive sex educators And a lot of adults out there think, you know, risk avoidance, or they just call it abstinence, that it's outdated and that the people who teach this, you know, don't have a clue uh, and that it's laughable. But the truth is the teenagers love the message and the instructors are very relevant and, and are actually really positive role models for the kids. Yeah, yeah, that's really good to hear. You know, that, you know, Austin ISD kind of, you know, thinks there's no alternative, you know, they feel like they have to go with this because like you said, they go with the expectation that they think, you know, kids are, you know, I guess like pre-positioned to like gender identity and, you know, sexual orientation when, you know, it seems like more that the schools are kind of more teaching the kids to go with those ideas and, you know, to learn that there's alternative programs out there that where, you know, the instructors can be actual role models Um, That's really good to hear. So, Monica, you've shared, you know, with Texas Values and at other meetings that we've had with concerned parents of Austin, um, some experiences you've had in teaching kind of this comprehensive sex education when you used to Mm -hmm. um, teach that. And so if you can kind of give like an example, you know, radio version, I guess. Sure. Of, you know, kind of like how that impacts kids, you know, in a negative way and how this could actually, you know, affect kids here in Austin, you know, if they actually, you know, learn that type of stuff. Sure. Well, comprehensive sex education, and I will share a story um, as well, but the research does show that many kids, their feedback about comprehensive sex education is that it pressures them more 
um, they feel very pressured by comprehensive sex education to become sexually active. Um, they have also said that the condom demonstrations on how to put on a condom in class, um, they, that also made them feel like sex was an expectation for them at that age. So they, the kids themselves are telling us, when you teach us comprehensive sex education, mm-hmm. you're basically setting us up and making us think that this is expected at this age. Um, Now, there's also a Harvard study, though, that shows that um, youth uh, and young adults as well are saying that they're tired of this risk reduction, comprehensive sex education message. They want to know more about relationships. They want to know more about healthy relationships, romantic relationships, bonding with somebody. Um, And so but to, to share a story about how it's harmed kids there was one time that I was teaching some um, kids in East Austin at an alternative school, and they're about 13, 14 years old, both boys and girls, and, um, and I was teaching them on HIV prevention. And like I said, risk reduction is very graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were already talking about the different types of sex out there mm-hmm. um, that they can participate in. And one of the girls raised her hand, and she asked me a question, and she basically was stating that there was a sexual activity that she was involved in and that she didn't um, she didn't like that sexual activity, but she wanted me to teach her how to do it better so that she would like it. And so I basically, you know, communicated with her and said, okay, it sounds like you don't like this. Have you ever considered just not doing the activity you don't like instead of trying to make yourself like it? And, you know, the response from this young girl was that she said, ma'am, no one's ever told us that. So this young girl was involved in a high-risk activity, a pretty graphic activity. If I were to say it on the radio and then think about her age, the age of 13, you would be just shocked thinking, how did this girl start becoming sexually active and doing something like that? Um, But once I gave them this option, like, well, have you just considered not doing it if you don't like it? That was a new concept to them. No one had ever told them that they did not have to be sexually active. And in this case, they were involved in a lot of different, just various sexual activities. Now, once I told them that, these kids started to talk to each other about ways that they could avoid having sex. Now, at the time, I was an HIV prevention uh, educator, so I was thinking in my mind, I've lost control of the room because now they're talking about risk avoidance. (laughs) Um, But I liked it, and I knew it was healthy for them because it's what they wanted. Um, One girl came out of the group and whispered to me and said, ma'am, but I've already started having sex. I can't stop. What they're talking about avoiding it, I can't stop. I said, well, why do you feel like you can't stop? And she said, well, because I've started and everyone expects me to have sex. So I can't say no anymore. And I said, no, you can stop having sex if you want to. No one has any right to tell you that you are now, you know, that you now have to be sexually active all the time. She got so happy, went back to the group, and these kids were coming up with great ideas from playing sports together to Mm -hmm. watching movies at the community center. Um, And our kids, you know, the lesson learned from that is our kids are craving relationship. They are craving for parents to lead them. And they really do want to be set up for optimal health. And they, they, you know, if we give them the expectation to have to be sexually active, they will be. If we give them the expectation to avoid those risks, they will. And from my experience with those kids, 
they really look like a burden was lifted off their shoulders knowing that they did not have to participate in sexual activities. Wow. Wow. That's a really amazing story. And I like what you said about, you know, the fact that, you know, parents need to, you know, set those expectations. You know, I think a lot of times in this process, you know, there has been kind of, I guess, like a skepticism of parents, you know, in a way, you know, they try to keep the parents out. And for those of you who aren't updated on what's happening in Austin ISD, they had a series of surveys and they had a couple of times where parents could view the curriculum, but it was so secretive and so difficult for parents to actually view a full copy of the curriculum. And if you actually look at some of the survey results and actually some of the comments, you know, while it may seem that, you know, some parents agreed with the curriculum, you actually had comments where parents said, you know, this is inappropriate. Uh, a large number, like hundreds of parents saying this is inappropriate for my child at this age. And um, they said that third through fifth. And, you know, I think it is important for parents to get involved. Um, you know, you and I have seen, you know, concerned parents of Austin, you know, really kind of take the lead in saying, you know, I don't want my child or any other one else's child to learn these things. And I have a right, you know, as a parent with my beliefs, you know, to set that, you know, boundary and set those kind of morals for my child. So Monica, you know, how can parents, you know, get involved, at least parents in Austin, get involved mm -hmm. and make sure that they know what their children are learning and how can they kind of, you know, stop these things from being taught in school? Well, one of the things that they can do is, um, you know, if they do want to see the curriculum and they haven't already done it, I know that you, Mary Elizabeth, at Texas Values have copies of that. And I think, I don't know if they can still access it online or not, um, but definitely go through the curriculum. Step number two is you have the right to challenge your Austin ISD shack and school board. Um, and if you want to challenge that and make your voice and your family values and beliefs and the fact that you want to protect your child from this, if you want to make that known, then definitely be at the school board meeting this coming Monday. And I know they can get that information off of your Facebook page, and I'm yes. assuming on your yes. website as well. Um, so parents, if, if you want to be involved in this and have your voice heard uh, to protect your children, then contact Texas Values, contact Concerned Parents of Texas. Uh, we're all going to be there on Monday to, to stand together and speak up for our children. You know, this curriculum is not has not been created and this ideology has not been pushed by the youth this right. is something completely different all the research out there the harvard study that i'm talking about and other research shows that kids want to know more about healthy relationships they're not requesting gender identity um, lessons they're not requesting homosexuality continuum um, lessons, they are seeking information about having healthy relationships, um, and they really do want to hear from their parents. Again, polls show that children believe that they, children have identified their parents as the greatest influence over their decision whether to have sex or not. And parents, it's not about wagging the finger. It's about having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with your kids about these issues because they are thinking about them. They're probably afraid to talk to you because they're afraid you're going to get angry with them. And it's really important that you be able to have these conversations with your kids in a calm and loving manner. Um, and the sex talk at home, it really doesn't have to be graphic. 
Um, that's something that was created with comprehensive sex education. Uh, there's no need to over-sexualize your children. We can have this conversation without ever getting graphic. And really, our kids are desiring that. It's something that they really want and really need. Um, but as far as getting involved, I think the best thing they can do in this short amount of time is show up on Monday at that board meeting. Right. That's right. So if you're listening to, you know, the radio, if you're watching on Facebook, um, if you're someone who's concerned about children, if you're a parent, grandparent, or, you know, someone who works in a church ministry and works with kids, or you're just concerned about kids in general, um, please come Monday, October 28th at 6 p.m. Um, you can sign up early that day at 7.45 a.m. to testify. But even if you're not testifying, just come and stand and solidarity of people who want to protect, you know, kids from the gender identity and sexual orientation, uh, you know, concepts being taught and this comprehensive sex education being taught um, in Austin schools. So Monday, October 28th, they will be voting. So that's why we really want you to be there to stand in solidarity or testify. And they need to hear voices um, from people who disagree with this. I mean, there's a lot of activists who... Um, some of them don't even um, desire to have children, but, you know, they're on the side of they really want their rights and their voices and they want their history taught. And it's more about, you know, social activism um, than it is about really, you know, creating healthy kids. So we really need people who care about children and care about them being healthy and good and well and, you know, leading a life where you know, abstinence can protect them from diseases and pregnancy. And so if you're willing to testify, come testify, um, come stand in support, but please be there Monday, October 28th. Uh, so we talked about Austin ISD, but we know that if it gets passed in Austin, you know, it'll spread, you know, to other school districts. So I wanted to talk to you a little about, you know, what's happening at the State Board of Education. Um, I wanted our listeners to know that the State Board of Education is rewriting the health standards uh, that will be disseminated to all the school districts. And as of right now, the Texas Education Code uh, does require, you know, that schools teach abstinence as a preferred choice, you know, to avoid pregnancy and STDs. And um, there's been some talk about, you know, people, you know, trying to change that. So I just kind of wanted to... um, kind of ask you, you know, your opinion about, you know, what the State Board of Education should keep, you know, in the health standards to make sure that, you know, that law stays the same and that they'll have, they'll keep, you know, things like what's happening in Austin from happening at other school districts. Right. So, um, and I I have also applied to be part of those work groups in creating those standards. Um, And and I believe that I'll be on in a group in June with them. So I'm part of the work group. Um, Currently, I know that they're wanting to talk about both sexual risk avoidance and risk reduction in the schools. Um, Now, is there is a way that we can talk about risk reduction um, or or really... um, we can talk about risk avoidance and still share the facts on sexually transmitted infections and things like that without really being graphic. Uh, currently, the standards are not showing anything that seems to be uh, focused on gender identity or anything in, in that manner. Um, and so, you know, really, I think that just having people you know, get in contact with their state school board members, giving their mm-hmm. opinion, 
following the website to find out, you know, what what updates are, are going on and make sure that you as a parent are letting them know your thoughts about this education right. um, is really important. And I know it seems, you know, sometimes can be a little intimidating um, going through standards and things like that. Uh, but it's really important. I mean, it's if anything, what's more important to the school board is what is it that the parents want for their children. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing more powerful than hearing from a parent. So parents, even if you feel that you're just one small voice, that is an important voice. Um, Talk to your kids about this as well because a kid's voice is also very important. So um, getting involved in any way they can, definitely getting involved in their local SHAC, their school health advisory committee, um, and get to know your school board members. Like literally go to those (laughs) meetings and get to know them. Yes, yes, that's very important. Uh, And that'll be very important Monday too. Uh, If you have time, please go look at the school board members so you can understand kind of where they're coming from and what they're um, trying to advocate for. And you mentioned a few things that I just wanted to clear up for listeners, um, like the SHAC, the School Health Advisory Council. So for those of you who are not aware, Texas law established these school health advisory councils to kind of be like community members and parents who would then review sex ed curriculum and then kind of present it to the board. And kind of the problem in Austin has been that it's been a lot of, you know, activists, you know, on the school health advisory councils, very few parents, I believe. And then, you know, there have been people from Planned Parenthood and other uh, abortion you know, organizations on the shacks. So it's very important that if you're a parent or community member um, that you become a part of the shack, you know, if you really care about children and if you have the right ideals. And I also wanted to explain the work group. So a work group, um, they'll be a part of the process that the State Board of Education, um, they'll listen to the work group and their feedback on the content being written. So if you're someone who has a background like Monica, or even if like Monica said, you're just a parent, uh, try to apply to be on a work group and you can go to the Texas Education Agency website and fill out an application for that. Now the State Board of Education will be taking two years uh, for this process, but we still wanna make sure that the right people are reviewing this curriculum and getting the right state standards um, in. Well, uh, we're running out of time, but I want to thank Monica for coming on and just sharing all her expertise and wisdom with our listeners. And I just hope everyone has a good weekend, enjoying the fall weather. And we hope to see you Monday, October 28th at the school board meeting. And please stay tuned at txvalues.org. We take donations if you want to bless this organization. And thank you so much for listening.